are starting a series that I am really excited about. I, I really am. Um, I, uh, I don't know, but you probably met somebody or maybe several somebodies that you would say have like unshakable faith. You know, it's like, it's like you're around them and you realize no matter what goes on in their world, good, bad, or otherwise, they're just like rock solid in their faith. Anybody ever met somebody like that? I have. And, uh, and I always, when I, when I come away from being with those people that no matter what, they are just solid. I walk away going, Lord, if I was in their shoes, would I have that kind of faith? Would I be walking like they're walking in the middle of what they're walking through, whether it's great or whether it's difficult or whatever it is? Um, how would I handle that? Anybody ever thought that? Like, how would I, what would I do? I see them. I had one of those moments this last week talking with someone that had just experienced some incredible loss, going through some really difficult stuff, and they literally were like, um, we just are trusting God through this. We're just trusting God through this. Um, it really doesn't matter how it plays out. We're just going to trust God. That's so good. It's challenging for me, you know, because I can argue with them about belief, right? I, I can argue with them about maybe the way they believe about something, but I cannot argue and I cannot deny their faith, their faith and their strength and that God, God is there, God's got this. It's just this real, raw, gritty, where the rubber meets the road kind of faith, right? I mean, it is so, so real. And here's what I know about real solid faith, is that faith informs the rest of their lives. Every aspect of their life is lived out of that kind of faith. So, Here's the deal. In this series, over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at where that kind of faith comes from, and how can I have some of that? Right? Come on. How can I, how can I have that type of faith? Um, and so if you used to have faith, you know, but you're not sure where you're at now, maybe um, your faith has slipped, um, maybe you remember what it was like to have unshakable faith, but you've read some things, studied some things, or even maybe had some experience that has caused you to doubt what you believe, or even more so, doubt your your faith. And your faith is just not where it used to be. 
Uh, if that's you, <laughs> this series is for you. It really, really is. Or, or maybe, maybe I think you may even discover in this series where and why that faith slipped. Why it's not where it used to be. Uh, and, and so if you're in the room and you're like, okay, I'm only here because I got a friend and I didn't want to offend them, so I came to church with them. But the bottom line is, you guys have lost your mind. And I don't believe any of this faith stuff. This series is for you. Today is for you. It really, it really is. I, I really believe that if you're looking for faith, <laughs> questioning faith, wanting to regain your faith, how about anybody in the room just would love for their faith to grow? Come on, right? You're not where you want to be. You just want it to grow. Well, the next several weeks are going to be very, very important. Look at somebody and say, don't miss it. Go ahead, tell them. Don't miss it. All right. So, when you follow Jesus through the Gospels, there, there are two times that you find, only two times does it show up that Jesus was amazed at anything. Jesus did not get impressed very often. Y'all know that, right? Not, not much amazed Jesus. Matter of fact, there's only two times in all the scripture that anything really made Jesus go, wow, wow, I, that is amazing. That, that is amazing. One of those times was he and the disciples were going along, um, and there was this centurion soldier that comes up to Jesus, and he's asking Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you do me a favor? Now, all of those people that were with Jesus were probably offended that Jesus was even talking to this centurion. Because this Roman soldier was their enemy. They were the bad guys. Matter of fact, they were the ISIS of the day. They were the ones torturing, killing. They were killing Christians for sport. In the arenas, it was just beginning in history. It was the very beginning of that era where, where they were. And so this guy was an enemy. And everybody is around Jesus is going, why would you help this guy? Why would you help this guy? Well, Jesus definitely not going to go to that guy's house. That guy is unclean. If he goes in that house, he's ceremonially unclean. I mean, that's kind of where they were. And, and so the guy says, hey, Jesus, I need a favor. Will you help me? I have a servant that is sick and dying. Would you heal them? And everybody around looking for Jesus to go, why would I do that? But instead, Jesus goes, okay, let's go to your house. And that would have floored every, all the religious people around. They're like, that's, 
crazy, Jesus. Why would you, why would you go to this enemy's house? Why? You know, he's the bad guy. Why would you help him out? Hmm. Well, the guy, this is the victor paraphrase. Y'all just hang with me, all right? The centurion soldier is like, Jesus, you don't need to go to my house. I've been watching you. And I know you are a man like me. You are under authority, and you have others under your authority. And so I, I know that, that because of your authority, he's like, I'm a Roman soldier. When I say go, they go. When my people that are in, in, in power above me say, go do, I don't question. Because, not because of who it is, but because of who's behind who it is. When they ask me to do something, or I ask my guys to do something, when I give a command, it's the weight of the entire Roman Empire behind me. It's not just me. And he's like, Jesus, I've been watching. And there's something bigger than you behind you. Nobody could do what I've seen you do. And he said, you are such a man under authority and over others' authority that why don't you just do what I would do? You don't need to go to my house. Just issue the command and it'll be done. Just say the word. Just say the word. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say it. Just say it. And I want you to look. Matthew. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. When Jesus heard this, everybody say it. He was amazed. <laughs> when he heard this, he was amazed. And he looked at all those religious people around him and said, Truly, I tell you, I have not found, everybody say, anyone. In Israel, one translation says, in all of Israel, with such, what? Great faith. <laughs> that was kind of a little jab, wasn't it? Your enemy's got more faith than you. Isn't that what he just said? Come on. I've not found anyone in all of Israel. In all of God's people, I hadn't found anybody with such great faith. So Jesus was amazed at what? Everybody say great faith. He was amazed. One other time Jesus is amazed. This time, Jesus was in his hometown, right? 
Yeah, he was in his hometown, and uh, he was preaching, he was teaching, he had performed a few miracles, it says, and, and in the middle of the crowds gathering around Jesus going, wait a minute, he's teaching, he's preaching, a few miracles have happened, people start murmuring, people start talking. Well, let me just say it like this. People start gossiping. And they're like, wait a minute. Isn't this Jesus that grew up down the street? This, this guy is just a carpenter's boy. He's just a carpenter's boy. I, I mean, and, and if you read the whole text there, it's like, I mean, I mean his sister... You know, he had brothers and sisters, and they actually said, well, his brothers and sisters still live right here. They're right there, you know? I mean, this guy's nothing special. He's just a boy from the neighborhood. In essence, that's what they were saying. And then Jesus makes this statement. He was amazed at their what? Lack of faith. Hmm. So he kind of left there. That's <laughs> what the scripture says. He couldn't do much because of their what? Lack of faith. So, two things amaze Jesus. Write this down. Jesus is amazed at what? great faith and the lack of faith. I don't know about you, but what category do I want to be in? Right? Great faith. I don't want to be known as the one that just had the lack of faith. I don't want to amaze Jesus like that. Anybody? Right? It's like, yeah, he was amazed. He was totally blown away. At their lack of faith. Totally amazed. Totally amazed at their lack of faith. Hmm. And see, Jesus' plan for his disciples then and for his disciples at the crossing in 2023. Come on. Is that we live and operate out of what? Great faith. Everybody say great faith. Great faith. But here is where there was some confusion then and there's some confusion now. And we kind of get faith mixed up with a couple of other things. It happens a lot. One of those things is that we often, I, let me say it like this, faith is not the same as hope and optimism. Amen. Come on. Think about this. Okay, did y'all put your thinking caps on? Look at somebody and say, put your thinking cap on. That's what my mom used to say. In other words, let's get focused, right? Let's get focused. You don't want to miss, because I'm going to lay precept. That's what the scripture says. Precept upon precept. Step, step, step. Okay, so... So, you got to understand, 
faith is not the same. And we're going to dig this out for weeks. So don't go away going, well, he left this out. We'll probably get to it, okay? So just hang on. Hang on. Then at the end of the series, you can come and say, you left this out, okay? But don't do that yet because we're only starting, okay? So here's, here's the thing. Faith is not the same as hope and optimism. Optimism. We should be optimistic as God's people. We should. We should live with hope. But that's not the same as faith. It's different. And here's how it is different. Just follow with me. Write this down. Faith has an object. Faith has an object. Faith has an object. I, I know people, I have some great friends that put their faith in their faith. That if I have enough faith, that my, if my faith is strong enough, then this will happen. That if I have enough faith in my ability to have faith, and faith becomes the object, or if you really look at it, I become the object because it's about my faith. Are y'all hearing me? All right? So you have to be careful. Faith does require an object for it to be faith. You can't have faith in just faith. You, you can't. And we're going to dig into this. I'm really excited about this. Because oftentimes we get accused of having blind faith. I don't know about you, but my faith is not blind. My eyes are wide open. There's an object to my faith. Come on. That's right. There's an object to my faith. Faith in faith alone does not work. That's hope or optimism. Come on. It, it is. It must have, faith must have an object. And, and, and that object cannot be my ability to have faith. If I have enough faith, all these great things are going to happen for me. That's not biblical faith. Okay? And just stay with me. Don't get offended. Just walk with me, and we'll see if this works. All right? So, um, <coughs> it's kind of like this. Dumb example, but it's kind of like this. When you get on a commercial aircraft, you have hope that you'll arrive on time. You have optimism that it's going to be a good flight. <laughs> but your faith, the moment you step on that plane, your faith is in the mechanical soundness of the aircraft and the pilot's ability. <laughs> and some of you are like, nope, it's in God alone. 
Come on, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, <laughs> excuse me, and I get that. I do. Um, but you see the difference. The object of faith is something you can see and touch. And are y'all hearing me? I have faith that this plane, I'm optimistic that it's going to get me there on time. Are y'all hearing me? But my faith, the moment I step onto it, becomes active. Okay? That's just how, that's how it works. So, um, here's the thing. And here's where we get mixed up so often. And where people struggle, and I'm going to show you at the end, a lot of times this is why people have lost faith. And it is because, write this down, I think this is on your notes, the object of faith cannot be a particular outcome. The object of faith cannot be, it is not a particular outcome. The kind of faith that Jesus taught was not, I believe everything is going to be okay. That's not, that's optimism and that's great. That's not faith. Okay? <laughs> I just think it's all going to work out. That can be hope. But is that truly faith? And I and and I know I'm I know I'm splitting hairs here, but I think it's an important hair to split. Okay? And, and I'm gonna bring it around, just hang on just a minute, all right? Because here, here's the thing: Jesus was not amazed at this guy's optimism. He was amazed because this guy put complete confidence in Jesus alone. Amen. Not the outcome. You are the one in authority. Whatever you say, I'm going to trust. Come on. Does that make sense? So, so his faith, the reason it amazed Jesus is he was like, I trust you, not a particular outcome, not just a particular outcome. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing, he knew Jesus could do the impossible, he knew it, but he's like, you say the word, because I know you're going to do what needs to be done. You have the authority. I'm just going to trust you. Here, here's the thing. Jesus spent his entire earthly ministry. Just think about this. He spent his entire earthly ministry. Um, well, write, write this down. Jesus established himself as the object of faith. Let me say that again. Jesus established himself 
as the object of faith. It wasn't faith in faith. He said, I want to be, I mean, how many times in the scripture he said, put your trust in me. Come on, right? Put your faith in me. The object, the faith has to have an object, right? It has to have an object. So if it's going to have an object, he's like, let me be the object of your faith, not the outcome. Because the outcome may not be what you think, but if you trust me, it's going to be for your good. Come on, right? Right? I mean, this is so, so good. Some of you is like still scratching your head like, where are you going? Just hang on. Just hang on. All right? Jesus invited people to put their faith in him. Period. Trust me. Put your faith in me. Matter of fact, one night, it was actually the night that Jesus gets arrested. And Jesus is, is with all of his disciples, right, uh, with the apostles, and uh, he, he is telling them some very disturbing things about what's getting ready to happen, right? And they're a little bit freaked out about it. They're not sure about what does this mean. They're scared. They're confused. And in John 14, look at what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in in me. Here's the interesting thing about this, all right? Are y'all still with me? All right. Just hang on, follow through. (laughs) This word believe, see, they're freaked out. They're scared. They're like, what's going to happen Stuff you just told me, scary, you know? (laughs) What's going to happen? And he looks at them because he knew they were trouble. (laughs) They were worried. They're like, what? What do you mean? I thought this was going to be some big earthly kingdom and we're going to reign and everything's going to be great. What are you talking about? I'm troubled with what you just said. So Jesus looked at him and said, don't let your hearts be troubled. (laughs) You believe in God, right? That's what he was asking. You believe in God, right? And they would have said, yeah, we believe in God. Here's what's interesting, though. John used a word for believe here that does not show up anywhere in Greek literature until here. In all the other Thousands and tens of thousands of documents of Greek writing, John made up a word, or actually God made up a word through John, right? But John made up a word, this word believe in the Greek is actually what the Greek had, they had two words for believe in the Greek language. And neither of those words said what John knew to be true. Neither of those described what he was saying there with Jesus going, believe, you believe in God, right? 
So John put these two words together here when he was writing this because it's the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, you believe in God, right? You, here's the Greek word, you believe with your head and you're hanging on with both hands. That's the picture of belief here. It's more about you trust that what you're hanging on to is going to hold you up. That's the picture. Now, that changes this because he's like, you believe and trust in God, right? You're hanging on with both hands. You're trusting he's going to hold you up, right? And they would have said, yeah, we believe with our head. We trust with our physical hands. We, we trust that God's got this. Then he said, well, then just trust me the same way. Just trust me the same way. Trust me. Don't let your hearts be troubled, but trust me just like you trust God. Trust me. Don't worry about the outcome. Don't worry about what we're going through. You just hang on with both hands and trust that I got this. Okay? That's cool. It really is. Jesus wanted to be the object of their faith. And why would, that sounds arrogant. Why would Jesus want to be the object of their faith? Why is all the Old Testament trying, or, or the New Testament trying to get us to put our faith and our trust in Jesus? Why? 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 Well, here's why, right? This down. I think I've got it because Jesus came to show us what God is like. It wasn't because he was arrogant. He was like, you want to know what God is like? You put your faith in me and you're going to see what God is like. Because I am God in the flesh. I, I am. I am, and, and, and I want you to see this, because to me, this is so, so cool. It's huge. It sounds simple, but Jesus came to reveal the nature of what God is like. Come on. You want to know what God is like? <laughs> Look at Jesus. That's what God is like. And the reason Jesus came to show them what God is like is because they have about 6,000 years of history of really muddying up what God is like. Actually, about 4,000 years of history of where they muddied up what God was like. They thought they knew what God was like, but they didn't know what God was like. They knew some things about God, and that's why Jesus is like, I'm here to show you what God is really like. Come on. 
You read it for yourself. Yeah, over and over. He says, when you see me, you see the Father. When you, I mean, over and over and over. His, his desire was to clear up the picture of what God is like. Now, here's what I know. I could ask everybody in this room, give me one word that God is like. And we would all have a different view or a different word of what God is like. And the truth is, some of those might actually be true. <laughs> you know? Some of those about what is God like? What is God like? Because see, for the people that Jesus stepped into the middle of their world, physically stepped into the middle of their world, they thought they knew what God was like but they really didn't. And Jesus was like, I just want to clarify what God is like. I, I, I want to clarify. And you see it over and over and over and over. And here's what I know. Many times when your faith is struggling, Many times those that have lost faith, those that are not walking in faith, but maybe did at one time, the reason your faith has slipped is you had some assumptions about what God was like that might not be true. We've all grown up in, or most of us, a lot of us have grown up in religious circles that have some views of what God is like. Jesus spent so much time correcting the disciples' view of what God is like. Y'all know that, right? I mean, just read it, right? He spent a lot of time correcting their, their view, going, well, that's really not what God is like. Uh, Jesus showed up in a very religious culture that had a lot of ideas about what God was like, but many of those things that they thought was like God or that God was like really wasn't what God was like. And, and so over and over, he would say things like, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. If you want to know how God would handle this, look at me. You'll see God. So here's what I encourage you to do. If you're not sure that I know what I'm talking about, and don't assume that I know what I'm talking about, right? Um, read the Gospels with that in mind. What is Jesus trying to show us about God? What is he trying to help me unlearn and relearn about who God is? Let me give you a a couple of, of examples. Um, Jesus was actually with his disciples, and his disciples think they know what God is like. They grew up learning what God was like. They could quote a lot of the Old Testament, and they had a view of what God was like. And Jesus was like, that's really not what God was like. And here's how that played out. One of those was they're walking along, and they see a blind man. And, uh, and, and they, they actually say, hey, Jesus, that guy's blind. Who sinned? Was it his parents 
or was it him? Because, see, they grew up in a culture that said God is like. (laughs) Here's what God is like. God punishes sin with sickness and illness. That was their understanding of God. That God punishes sin by making people sick and with illness. And, and Jesus, <coughs> Jesus comes along and he says, well, I know that you think that this guy's blind because he sinned or his parents sinned and God is punishing them for that sin, but that's really not how it works. That's really not how it works. Matter of fact, he says, neither one of them sinned. This isn't, his, his blindness is not a punishment from God. That's not what God is like. He doesn't punish that way. And see, they had spent years thinking, that's what God's like. And he's like, Jesus is like, no, that's really not what God is like. Look at me. Look at me, you'll see what God is like. That's what Jesus was saying. God offers healing to the blind. Come on. That's what God is like. Are are y'all still with me? I know this is heady stuff, but I'm telling you, we're going somewhere. It's good. It's good. All right? Um, Then it it was not a result of sin. Then uh, there's so many times you read the scriptures and look at it that he corrects the way they view God. God's really not like that. You think he is because that's what your religious background says, but that's not how God is. This is how God is. This is how, and he just keeps pointing them back to himself because he wants them to have an accurate picture of what God is like, right? That we understand what God is like. Um, Did did y'all know that the story of the Good Samaritan was to correct their religious view? (laughs) They had a jacked up view of what God was like. And, And matter of fact, if you some, this is my summary this is my summary of the, the story of the Good Samaritan. So write, write this down. God is not racist, and the neighbor you are to love is anyone that you or anyone that has a need that you can meet. That's the sum up. That's my sum up of the story of the Good Samaritan. Because They grew up in a culture that God was racist. (laughs) A religious culture that God hates everybody but us. (laughs) Come on. We're God's special people. And Jesus comes along and goes, no, you're not. He came for you, but he came for the Gentiles also, and I am so grateful. How about you? You know? He's like, yeah, he loves you, but he don't love you better than they do, than them. He don't love you. God is not racist. (laughs) And 
If you really want to know who your neighbor is, you're supposed to love because that's what the whole thing started from, right? Who, who is my neighbor? It can't be those evil people down the street. It can't be those Muslims. It can't be those homosexuals. It can't be, and Jesus was said, you are wrong. Who am I to love? Anybody that has a need that I can meet. Anybody. 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 Come on. He don't love you better than them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so Jesus comes along and he tells this story of the good Samaritan. Where the Samaritan was the guy that they didn't like. He's not a Jew. So God can't use or do anything through a Samaritan they're like, you know, they're like these half-breeds. We don't want anything to do with them. And Jesus makes him the hero of the story. <laughs> to show them what God is, come on, is like. To show them what God is like. Hmm. And then at the end of that story... And you can look this up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, If you'll love like he loved, you're going to be just like my Father in heaven. Because that's what he's like. That's what he's like. Uh, okay, so so here, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry along. If you really want to know what God is like, start with Jesus. Not in Leviticus. All right? If you really want to know what God is like, start with who? Jesus. Because here's the thing. You're going to hear me say this a lot over this next year. Jesus is not part of the story. He is the point of the entire story front to back. He is the point. He is the point from Genesis to Revelation, everything before him and after him is about him. Come on. Hey, don't put your stuff up. We're not done yet. Come on. All right. All right. Write, write this down. Why, why is that? Why is everything point to Jesus? Write this down. Jesus is the physical proof of what a spiritual God is like. Jesus was the physical proof of what a spiritual God is like. What he is like. Now, I'm going to add one more thing to it. Everything else was and is just a shadow. Everything in the Old Testament... was just a shadow of what God was like. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> Jesus comes to show them what God is 
really like and says, put your faith, let me be the object of your faith, of your trust. Because everything else is just a shadow. You know, you can learn a lot about something from a shadow, right? You can watch, you can get a, a bird flying over and you see the shadow on the ground and you go, oh, that's a bird, right? I see the shadow, it's a bird. <laughs> but what color is that bird? We don't know. What kind of bird is it? Well, some you can kind of tell by the shadow. Here's something, if you don't get anything else, this, God is working this in me, and I'm loving it, because here's the truth. Um, there's shadows. This is what Paul said. See, he understood this. He said, all those religious things that you think you knew about God, those were just shadows of what was to come. They're just a shadow. You can see the shape of God a little bit. You can know a few things about Him from the shadow. But then look at this. The truth is, the shadow was not incorrect. It was incomplete. Is that not good? The shadow was not wrong. It just didn't show a good picture. And then Paul goes on to say, huh, these are the shadows of the things that were to come. The reality. Everybody say reality. Uh, however, is found in who? In Christ Jesus. Hmm. He is the completion, the complete, clear picture of what God is like. I want to end with this thought. I have learned through working with couples for 30 years now that trust is the glue of a relationship. If there is no trust, then the relationship's going to suffer. Go back to the book of Genesis. The thing that was broken in the garden with sin was trust. They didn't trust that God had their best in mind. They questioned whether God could be trusted. And everything fell apart. The relationship fell apart because of a lack of trust. A lack of trust. A lack of hanging on with both hands. A lack of faith. Are y'all hearing me? A lack of faith. And then Jesus comes along and invites us to put our faith in Him. 
that he would be the object of our faith. And here's what I know. Every person that I have ever talked to that has walked away from faith, struggled with faith, questioned faith, it was never about Jesus. It was always about an outcome or a person that let them down. That preacher did this, so now I question my faith. The outcome wasn't what I thought it should be, so my faith is weak. I've never met anybody that was hanging on to Jesus with both hands, with their mind and with both hands, that it didn't matter about the outcome, Jesus, I trust you. That's faith. He is the object and he is worthy to trust. Thank you.